This is Dealing Death, Episode 1. I'm Mike Magnoli, investigative reporter for CBS 12 News in West Palm Beach, Florida. This is CBS 12 News at 11. So let me give you a little bit of a prologue before we jump in here. I want you to think of Snow White. The evil queen gives the princess an apple, and the queen knows it's poisoned. There's intent to kill. In the story we're going to examine in this podcast, that intent part is a little fuzzy, and it's controversial. Now, I didn't do this on purpose. There was no plan ahead of time, but this will be my second podcast for this station, and just like the first one, I'm covering a case that deals with an overdose. Back in 2018, I got on the story of a doctor who was on the brink of losing his license to practice medicine because of a string of deaths, his patients, all of them had OD'd, and I made three episodes. I called the project Admissible Evidence, The Strange Case of Dr. Katz. In this series, there's no doctor, the defendant is an accused drug dealer, and the question that's central in all of this, should he be treated like a killer? The voices you'll hear as this unfolds are ordinary people with real-world struggles. Their mothers, lawyers, cops, and this whole thing starts with a waitress. But before I introduce you to the folks involved, I need to explain what drew me to this story. In 2017, Florida lawmakers came up with a specific statute so that prosecutors could charge drug dealers with premeditated murder. The law passed in a unanimous decision in Tallahassee in response to the surge of fentanyl overdoses. So if you sell somebody drugs laced with fentanyl and they take the drugs and die, you could be arrested and treated like a violent killer. It took a few years, but in March of 2019, the state of Florida did this for the first time. And then lots of counties got on board. They've been using this law since. But it wasn't until the summer of 2021 that Indian River County got its first one of these cases. By the way, 20 states have a version of this law. So in Indian River County, the sheriff and the prosecutors are about to enter all new turf. This is their maiden voyage down this river. A murder trial is serious business, and in this case I wanted to find everyone and anyone affected by it. I wanted to chronicle all of the happenings, and then I wanted to look at the bigger picture. Is this law having the desired effect? Is it making a difference in Florida's war on drugs? So we'll look at the Indian River County situation and use it as a peephole to the larger issue. You have reached the Indian River County Sheriff's Office. If this is an emergency, please hang up and dial 911. In August of 2021, I began making my calls for this story. And the first calls were to the Indian River County Sheriff's Office and the State Attorney's Office in Indian River County. They're the 19th Judicial Circuit in Florida. And I got a hold of court documents and learned the names of the suspects, I actually should call him a defendant at this point, and the victim. 36-year-old Javon McFarlane of West Palm Beach had just been indicted for first-degree murder by unlawful distribution of a controlled substance. An indictment means that a grand jury was convened, 
They looked at the evidence and they said there's enough here to go to trial. CBS 12's Al Pefley reports so far this month, three drug arrests are aimed at trying to reduce these overdoses. McFarland is believed to be the first alleged drug dealer in this part of the state to be charged with first degree murder in a fatal overdose. Now on to the woman who died, 34 years old. Her name was Yanella Figueroa. Her death occurred in May of 2020. It didn't take me long to figure out that Yanella was a twin, but I was startled when I learned that her twin sister, Caressa Figueroa, also died of an overdose a few years prior. Two girls, identical twins, lost to drug addiction, gone. Both have left behind children now being raised by their grandmother, that's Yanella and Caressa's mom, Iris. I found Facebook profiles for each sister. They're both beautiful, dark eyes, dark hair. As I looked at the screen at these fun, vivacious Puerto Rican girls, basically the same age as me, I began putting together the pieces of their life. You have reached me. I am unavailable at this time. Please leave me a brief message and a telephone number where I can reach you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Tracking down people is a big part of my job as a reporter, so I found Iris, and I convinced her to help me with this reporting, with the podcast and the TV stories. As you listen to our conversation, remember that Yanella Figueroa is the girl whose death is at the center of the murder trial, but her sister, Caressa, died first. Here's mom, Iris. How did Caressa die, Iris? She died here in the home. Um, a fentanyl overdose mixed with cocaine, right? Yeah. How old was she? At the time, 34. 33, 34. 33, 34. 2017. She was born in 1986. They both were. Her sister, um, I understand she took that hard. That was her twin. So that was a, like a piece of her. Um, she was in jail at the time. She couldn't, Yanella was in jail at the time that Caressa died? She couldn't attend the funeral, you know, nothing. Um, we tried, but um, they would not let her out, so. Do you think it's true what they say about twins? Are there other twins in the family? Were they able to kind of like feel each other or communicate without like talking? I mean, they, since they were little, they were they had their own type of little language going on, you know. Um, and what one did, the other, sooner or later, did it too. It was a competition, sort of, you know. And both of them were addicted. Yes. Did they both get addicted at the same time no. in the same way? No. Caressa was the first one. Um, yeah, Caressa was the one, and then um, she, I left, I lived in Miami, and I left to New Jersey. Um, they, Caressa followed me there, and there, she was doing good there, but then she met uh, the drug dealer, her drug dealer, and it went downhill from there. Then Yanella appeared about a year later with, Emma was like two years old at that time. She appeared right after her on my home 
And when I saw her, she looked really bad, you know, because she had been in my home before when she was pregnant, and she was working at an opera soap, not an opera house in Miami. She was doing well. She graduated, actually. Caressa didn't. Caressa got pregnant at 15, uh, gave birth to Adrian. Adrian's 17. Um, but Yanella finished high school, you know? And she was, it took her a while to get in the, dr in the drugs. But when I saw her that summer, she didn't look right to me. So they both together, that was bad. That was a bad mixture. So she started leaving. Um, she was telling me she was cleaning hotels, you know? I, I didn't know what was going on, you know, with the prostitution and, and the drugs and everything else. I thought she was going to work, and I was taking care of her child in the evening because it, it was in the night. So... Uh, so then I called her on it, and I, um, I told her, you know, I found things in my home. And so I told her about it, and I said, you can't, you can't come in here and do this. I have kids. I had Adrian and Anthony at the time. Anthony was a baby. And um, I said, you can't do this. So she got, she took her daughter with her and left. And she lost custody of Imaris because she left her with a stranger. And so the stranger, you know, when I called the stranger and said, um, you know, bring me the child, I'm the grandmother, I'll go with a cop, I'll go with my ID, with Yanella's ID, the lady wanted the baby. And so after a while of me calling and calling and with the cops and everything, she took her to a hospital. And so then I adopted Imaris. And I adopted her through kinship because I always thought, you know, that would fix her life up and want her daughter back. So I adopted her, you know, up until she was 18, unless Yanella stepped into the picture and did the right thing. You are in a hard situation because I know that you love your daughters, but you also, it's like a good cop, bad cop. How did you sort of like weigh those two roles and what was what was your strategy? Were you were you trying to be tough on her or were you trying to support her? Well, I was trying to do both. I was trying for the kids. The kids love their mother, you know. Um, so I was trying to have her in their life. Did you think she was going to come around? Was she was she round in the corner, do you think? She she tried hard. She, she tried hard. Not all the years were addictive. They, were, they weren't. Um, the last time she came out of jail, she was going to church every day. Every day. I was like, calm down, you know. Don't go to church every day because I, I can't take you. You know, I was trying to pick her up, drop her. And then, um, you know, people start coming and trying to help, especially people that she had been in jail with or in AA meetings. And 
you know, it just starts, starts with the drinking again, with the smoking again, and she wound up there again. And she was around him, you know, uh, the guy we were talking about, and she was around this other girl um, that wanted to go to church with her, was like, oh, I'll take you, I'll pick you up, you know, all of that. So that was, you know, between those two, that's, that was her demise. So we're talking in Iris's living room. She's really opening up to me, as you can hear, and this is hard. She's frequently wiping away tears. I hear kids and babies in other rooms of the house. You might hear them in some of these clips as well. Those are Yanella's and Caress's children. My TV cameraman, Chris, is recording all of this. To help you visualize what's happening, Iris has dark hair and dark eyes. The twins looked a lot like her. And she's decorated her house with lots of art and artifacts, sculptures of wild animals. You feel like you're on safari, which is a little odd because we're talking in a living room in Port St. Lucie, Florida. I shift the conversation to the family-owned restaurant, also in Port St. Lucie. It's closed now, but years ago, Iris bought the business and hoped it would help to keep the twins on the straight and narrow. They made Puerto Rican food there. It was located in a plaza not far from Iris's house. Yanella and Caressa worked there, Yanella waiting tables and bringing takeout orders to the counter. I had the place from 2015 to 2019. Um, Good years? Well, I, I got the restaurant for them. I wanted, there were ex-convicts, they, you know, everywhere that they want for a job, you know, they will be turned down. So this I got- give them a fresh start, right? So I, yeah. Yeah, and um, did for a little while, you know, Caressa did for a little while, um, Yanella too, but um, you know, um, that didn't last. That didn't last, you know, there was a lot of people coming, dubious people coming into the restaurant, and I couldn't be there 24 seven, and I wasn't feeling well, you know, all this from, this just, all took a toll on me. I'm a very strong person, but I think it's health-wise, it's gotten to me. You and I talked about this on the phone. I want to ask you about it here. Do you want this man that sold her the drugs to be tried for murder? Do you think that is a good, a good way to go through the legal system? You know, I'm happy. I'm, I mean, it's not gonna get her back. We're not gonna have her back. So in that aspect, nothing is gonna change, no matter where, where he goes or not. But I am glad that finally, you know, these drug dealers are going to get theirs because, you know, they're lacing these drugs with things that they know they're harmful, you know, and they're taking advantage of these addicts, because these are sick people. So if you're gonna sell a product, I mean, I had a restaurant, if I'm gonna sell a product, I'm gonna sell good food, right? So if you're gonna sell drugs, then, you know, don't mix it up with rat poison and 
fentanyl and all these others because you're killing people. About that, let's get into some detail here. In 2020, more than 7,000 people in Florida died due to an overdose. That's up 37% from 2019. The numbers are increasing, not decreasing. So just using that gauge, prosecuting drug dealers with murder isn't putting a dent in this crisis. I just don't think the answer is locking them up. The number of drug overdoses so far this year in Indian River County is startling. So far in 2021, Indian River County has had 138 drug overdoses and eight of those have been fatal. And nationally, an estimated 93,000 overdose deaths were reported in 2020. It represents about a 29% increase from the year earlier and the highest yearly total on record. Fentanyl, of course, the cause of most of those accidental overdose deaths in Palm Beach County. Tell me about a good time where you all were together, um, where they were clean and a good Mother's day. day. Mother's Day was special because we all cooked whatever we, our favorite things and just spent the time just here in the backyard with the kids and you know, I didn't like to go to restaurants, so we just all made a dish that everybody else liked, and, and we used to have a good time. I mean, all my daughters, um, very close to me, talked about a lot of stuff. They used to write a lot, so I have, I have so much that they wrote. Like what, journals? Poetry? Poetry. She was into poetry. You know, I express herself better in writing. She actually used to be a meditation leader in the church, in the Unity Church that I used to go to. Um, I stopped going since the pandemic and since, you know, I haven't even done a, a service for Yanela because of the pandemic. We did caresses, but not Yanella's yet. Let me come back in here to tell you that Iris has another daughter, Iricel, and she was the firstborn. The twins came after. Iricel is sitting off camera. She's consoling her mom through this interview. She'll make a comment here or there to help me write the story, but she doesn't want to go on the record. She was the cook at the family restaurant, and she's grieving for her sisters too. Iris and Iricel tell me that before Yanella's death, there were some ugly, close calls. One where Iris found Yanella on the floor with a needle. Nothing matters but that high. What do you want people to take away from the story uh, of these two sisters? And, and both of them were lost. Neither one of them made it. Twin sisters, both of them met the same fate. Well, I'm sure that there's, there's a lot of I mean, I know there's a lot of grandparents right now raising grandchildren because their children are on drugs. I know that for a fact. So, um, you know, this, this is a roller coaster ride that you cannot get off. It has its ups and downs and 
you can't, and everybody's involved. It's not only them, it's everyone. In another part of our interview, Iris tells me Yanella Figueroa liked roller coasters, and she liked rap music and reggaeton and reality TV. So if you're building a picture of this person in your mind's eye, if you're hearing Iris and you're feeling the pain in her voice, you're starting to get a handle on the people beyond the headline here. Yanella Figueroa is gone because of a drug overdose, and the guy who sold her the drugs is heading for a murder trial. We want the drug dealers to know that every time they make a drug transaction, that could be a homicide charge for them, that they could be behind bars for the rest of their life. So that's the voice of Indian River County Sheriff Eric Flowers. We'll hear more from him about this uh, in our next episode, and we'll hear from the detective under his command who worked on this case. But right now I want to cue up some sound from former President Donald Trump. This was in March of 2018. And we have to get tough on those people because we can have all the blue ribbon committees we want, but if we don't get tough on the drug dealers, we're wasting our time. Just remember that, we're wasting our time. And that toughness includes the death penalty. You know, it's an amazing thing. Some of these drug dealers will kill thousands of people during their lifetime. Thousands of people. And destroy many more lives than that. But they will kill thousands of people during their lifetime. And they'll get caught and they'll get 30 days in jail. Or they'll go away for a year. Or they'll be fined. And yet if you kill one person, you get the death penalty or you go to jail for life. So if we're not going to get tough on the drug dealers who kill thousands of people and destroy so many people's lives, we are just doing the wrong thing. Remember at the beginning of the episode when I asked you to think of the apple from Snow White? Well, let's revisit that. And here's why. When accused drug dealer Javon McFarlane goes to trial for the death of Yanella, intent to kill could become a big sticking point for the jury. Did he know there was fentanyl in his heroin? And if he did, did he think it would be deadly? In the fairy tale, the queen whips up a witch's brew in her cauldron, and she puts it on the apple. Then she disguises herself as an old peddler, and she wants to take Snow White out so she can be the fairest in the land. And we know all of that. We know the motive. But the jury is not going to have such an easy-to-follow narrative. Both the prosecution and the defense will present their evidence, each will have their version. But let me play for you something that was said during a presentation on Capitol Hill in 2019. The nature and magnitude of the ongoing overdose crisis brought on by synthetic opioids is really unlike a traditional drug epidemic and is more so or better thought of as a poisoning outbreak. That said, if we just limit our policy responses to kind of the traditional uh, approaches, um, these are likely to be insufficient and will condemn a lot of individuals to an early grave. That word, poison, could mean different things to different people. It's a noun and a verb, and it's not like the victim in this case didn't know the risks. Yanella did. Street drugs being laced with fentanyl is increasingly common, so if someone is looking to buy coke, meth, or heroin, there's a good chance it'll have fentanyl. To quote from the DEA's website, Fentanyl was originally developed for pain management. 
It was for treatment of cancer patients, and it was applied in a patch on the skin. It's 80 to 100 times stronger than morphine. Drug trafficking organizations typically distribute fentanyl by kilogram. One kilogram of fentanyl has the potential to kill 500,000 people. And when I say a kilogram, it might help to picture a pineapple or a bag of sugar that you'd buy for baking. So we're talking about something that could easily fit into a kitchen cupboard that could end half a million lives. In the context of this pending trial, heroin laced with fentanyl was the murder weapon. But will the jury be convinced that McFarland took aim and fired? See, I told you this was going to get fuzzy. And how about this? How about I ask McFarland himself? What did he know about his product? What was his intent? He's in jail right now, no bond, but maybe his lawyer will let him take a phone call from me. The name of this podcast is Dealing Death. We'll be back with episode two soon. <laughs>